The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic decided to support the software social community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. This episode is sponsored by Teleprompt.me. Teleprompt.me is a voice-activated teleprompter service. You can write and save scripts and read them in multiple languages. Check it out at beta.teleprompt.me. Thank you again to Balsamic for generously supporting our listeners in this way. If you'd like to receive a promo code for Balsamic, visit balsamic.com backslash go backslash software social. So Colleen, the last time we talked about your SaaS simple file upload, you had 89 users on Heroku, 40 of which had uploaded files. And in order for your service to be released into the broader Heroku ecosystem, you have been working for months to get to 100 users. So it's been two weeks. Tell me, did you get to 100? I did. Ah! I have 117 users. Oh my so gosh. Um, last week I was approved for what they call general availability is when you can sell it in the marketplace. So my vendor documents are pending with Salesforce. So awesome. hopefully by the time this podcast airs, it will be available for sale. That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's really interesting though, Michelle, because this is a huge milestone and you'd think I would get, have gotten like a ton of energy and excitement about this project, but I've really been struggling the last two weeks. I have really kind of been down on myself thinking that this is a terrible idea. I need to start something new and I need to find a new idea. Where do you think that feeling is coming from? I have no idea. I mean, it, it's... It's this really exciting time. I've reached the milestone I've been trying to achieve. And so, you know, I stumbled across this article by Amy Hoy called Why, what's it called? Why Women Entrepreneurs Fail. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> it like speaks to me. And it's not just applicable to, to women, but she does say in the article that she sees it a lot more in women. And let me, let me pull out a few gems from this. Quote, I'm tired of sitting by while you ship your thing and refuse to market it. Or you make a few sales your first time out, but it's not enough sales, so you sink into a funk and quit. Or you make it to the 90% mark, you tow up to the line of doing something, then refuse to cross it. I mean, that's like right where I am. I'm finally getting some success and I like want to run away and hide. And it's almost like I'm scared of my own success. It's super weird. <laughs> so you say it's weird, but also, you know, Amy was able to write an article describing this. It, it makes it sound normal. She must see it all the time if she wrote a whole article about it. I mean, I don't know her. She didn't write it for me. So does it I'm make you like, feel better to know that this is a common feeling? Yeah. I mean, it, it totally, it was so weird because I'm not kidding. Like two weeks ago, I was like, this is a terrible idea. I should shut this down. And I had just reached a hundred users. And so, I mean, the psychology, sometimes we kind of talk a little bit about that psychology of trying to start your own thing. But, you know, I thought I was above that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, I didn't think it was going to impact me because I got my shit together. Everyone is above average, right? <laughs> right. I'm above average. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. Like, it's so interesting. And and as you said, I really think that does apply, you know, to, to both men and women. Um, 
but maybe it's more acute because the standards we're held to are so much higher, you know, especially in, in, in a male dominated field. Right. But I think anybody could feel that way. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I don't know. So I, it's been really interesting. Um, and like I said, I really just wanted to throw the whole thing away last week. And then I found this article and I talked to a lot of other people in the space and those people were like, you're doing really well. Why would you walk away now? Um, and I think it's a fear. So I think it's just a combination of a fear of failure. Like once you start to have some success, like, is that actually going to translate into something? It's a fear of learning a new skill set. There was this other great article I stumbled upon. Yeah. So Alex Hillman has a great article called the fear of beginning again. And this article is about how all of the developers that take his class, like freak out because now they have, we're, we're kind of experts in our field. Right. And we spent years building up you know, this career as a developer. And so now we have to learn how to do like sales and marketing. And it's like starting from scratch because we don't know what we're doing and it's hard and it's scary. And that's where I am right now. (laughs) That totally makes sense, especially if you're switching from going from a consultant who has a defined scope and, you know, there's a little bit of sales, a little bit of accounting involved in that. But the vast majority of your time is spent on engineering work. And now running a SaaS, engineering work is a huge percentage of that, but you know it's no more than 50% of, of the work of the business. There, there, there's marketing, there's sales, there, there's customer support, there's all of those other things that weren't really skill sets that you w- would have done in a developer job or really as much in a consulting setting. So it makes sense that it's scary to, to, to feel like you're starting from nothing in totally new fields and that this project, unlike past projects, does not just hinge on your engineering abilities. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. I've always been able to kind of prove myself, quote unquote, from an engineering perspective. And so this is a whole this is a whole different skill set. It's like a whole different ball game. Yeah, th- that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, you're my pseudo business psychologist, so it's good we have this podcast <laughs> so you can you can remind me not to quit when I'm like this is a terrible idea. Colleen, it's not a quit. terrible idea. <laughs> no. Like, I thought it like it's a great idea. Like it's a proven market. It's like I, I don't know. You have I 117 like people. You started out with like zero people. And I remember when you first launched it, you were like, well, maybe I can get a couple of friends who don't actually need it, but use Heroku to use it. And like, right. that's where we started. And then your first milestone was 10 people, right? Or something? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay, like none of them are really using it. And like, they're just kind of pity users. And, you know, <laughs> <Pity users. laughs> and, but like, it's I mean, true though. Like, that's so how it last started. time we talked, you had 40 people who had actually uploaded a file. How many people have uploaded files now? 56. So people are using it. People are using it. (laughs) And also last time we talked, someone paid you $10 outside of Heroku. Uh, Have you gotten paid anything else since then? Nope. I've had a couple other people, I want to say two additional people sign up for the free trial. Um, So we'll see if they convert. It's funny though, because all those people aren't emailing me back interesting so yeah but they're using it so i guess they're happy maybe 
So how many credit cards on file do you have right now then outside of Heroku? Six. Six. And that's a one month free trial, right? Yes. Okay. And so when does that, when are we coming up on the first charge for, for most of those people? Like February 6th through 10th-ish, people will have to churn out by then if they don't want to pay. Okay. So by the middle of February, then we will have a little bit of a sense of whether people want to pay for it or not. So I did some interesting things, which um, which is basically the story of, of this whole thing, of this whole product. I just do things. So I am about to become really busy with some consulting work. And I'm really looking forward to it because it'll be kind of a nice break to just dive into doing something I know how to do. But because of that, I was working on this like three, three days a week. I'm going to have one day a week to work on this. And so I did a few things. I raised the prices quite a bit because Ooh. I don't, yeah. Taking well, I some don't patio really want, 11 advice there. Why not? I mean, I might as well come out of the gate high. And if no one signs up, then that that's, you know, that's a lesson learned. But I'd rather have five users at $40 than, you know, 50 users at $8. Exactly. Right? Because I am one human, like, and now I have a a job that's going to pay me money that's going to take up most of my time. So I'm not going to have a ton of time to spend on the uploader. So yeah, I'd rather have fewer customers at a higher price point. So I raised my price from, I think it was 10 to 35 for the intro tier. So that's pretty significant. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if anyone signs up at that price point. And um, what else did I do? So I tried to do a little marketing work since I last spoke to you. So I actually hired someone from People Per Hour to make me a React application using my uploader. Oh, interesting. And that was a whole thing. Like People Per Hour is like a race to the bottom. Have you guys ever used that? No. It was it was a weird experience. Um, maybe because like I just didn't spend enough money, but it was like, I felt like, I don't know, like people were just sending me messages. I must've gotten like 50 messages from these people. And like the people started working on it before I had agreed to pay them. And it was just, it was a really interesting experience um, did you, trying to hire someone to do Did that. you get something usable out of it? Ish. Um, it's mostly usable. I think it's not kind of what I would like it to be, but it's, I think it's good enough that with my teensy tiny minimal react skills i can make it good enough it wasn't good enough to put out there on my documentation page yet but i feel like i can get it there um if i spend a little time on it but that was a weird experience <laughs> that yeah the i i mean i think there's you know when you use services like that um you know you get what you you, you pay for and yeah that, um, that's what i think too and I, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just tricky. And I think if we ever needed something that we didn't have in house, we would just, you know, see who of our friends or in our network could do it and probably pay more, but, you know, have a, have a good result that you can use from the get go. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I absolutely think it's because I'm not making any, well, I'm making $10. So I'm not making any money. So I'm really hesitant to put money into that. And I absolutely think that's that was part of the issue is it was like, I think I paid 200 bucks. Um, so what do you expect to get for 200 bucks, Colleen? Like, really? Um, 
It was interesting, though. So, that's, marketing. That's such an interesting yeah. point, though. I just want to ask you. So, you said you spent $200 on that. Aside from your time, which actually has a cost that you, you can pretty clearly calculate because you do consulting work. I'm curious. What is your... Do, do you know what your total investment in the product is so far? So, I don't really want to know... <laughs> Because I think it'll freak me out in terms of the opportunity. Like if I include opportunity cost, it's ginormous. So if I, I mean, without opportunity cost, it's low, maybe 500 bucks. But if I include the opportunity cost of my time as a developer, it's kind of a scary number. I don't know, a lot. Yeah, it's just just interesting because I think we were talking about this a, a while ago, right? About how much it cost us to get off of the ground. Because that's a big thing about bootstrapping, right? Is like you're you're funding yourself, and I want to say it was in about that like four to five hundred dollar range, not taking into account you know free AWS credits and stuff that we got, and of course the opportunity cost of your time, which is not free. So I think this will be really interesting when you are forced to only spend one day a week on this, you know. It, You've talked a lot about how you have a tendency to read uh, as a substitute for doing or to avoid doing, uh, right? Reading about uh, entrepreneurship and marketing as a way to procrastinate on actually doing that task, Um, though you may be learning things. And I think it might be interesting because if you only have one day a week, you only have one day a week to get stuff done. I know. Like it might be good for you. I think it will. So I have a plan. Do you want to hear my plan? I do want to hear your plan. <laughs> so here's the thing is like all developers everywhere, all I want to do is add more features. We talk about this every week. You want to do engineering. I only have, I want to do engineering. I only have one day a week to work on this. So here's the deal. It works great. It doesn't have all the features I'd like it to have, but it works so my plan is to spend that one day a week only on marketing. And it's going to be really challenging for me. But um, I spent these past two weeks, there were just like a couple little bug fixes I had to get through security stuff and things like that. So I spent these and like email stuff. I spent these past two weeks, like just knocking that the tech stuff out. So now it works well for what it does. So my plan is that those Fridays are just going to be marketing days. And that's a little bit scary for me, but there's no point in me spending another, you know, hundred hours or however long to implement new features if no one's buying it in the first place. Right. If a feature is launched in a forest and nobody is there to hear it, was it really (laughs) launched? Yes. That's amazing. By the way, I love that. So... (laughs) Like, that's so good. So I'm really, really kind of struggling, but also excited about this decision. It's like, I'm going to stop half-assing marketing because like everyone, I've been half-assing marketing. I'm like, oh, this landing page is fine. When it's not really, like people are giving me suggestions and I'm just ignoring them because I don't really want to do it. So Fridays are going to be marketing days for me, marketing sales, whatever you want to call it. They're different. They're two different things. They're different. Oh, should we okay, talk about coach. how they're different? <laughs> sure. Tell me okay. how they're different. Okay. So for, so, so marketing is this the kind of stuff you've been doing, like 
SEO, writing landing pages, uh, you know, working on the design, writing your documentation, you know, running ads, which you're not doing, but those, those are kind of like marketing things. Sales, people would usually conceptualize as sort of a direct one-to-one interaction with a customer to try to convert them. So that might be like, you know, some people do cold emailing, for example, like that would be sales or having a phone call with a potential customer about, you know, trying to pitch them on a, on a contract or, or whatever it is, negotiating on a contract. Those would be sales functions. And, you know, kind of like going back to what uh, Danielle Simpson was saying last week about the system they built at Feedback Panda with what was it like 50 something 52 roles in their company like marketing and sales you know they might sort of you know feed up to the same vp but they're Mm -hmm. different functions okay so at this point where i am now i'm getting a good number of signups through the heroku traction channel which has been great but i am going to start charging so i expect that number to go down what are your thoughts? I have a lot of ideas about how to spend my next Friday, my sales slash marketing day. Like, what are your thoughts on how to maybe approach this or what's a good way to get started? You mentioned that people have given you feedback on your landing page and other places. Lots of feedback. Okay. I'm getting lots of feedback. Is, is any of criticism. that like... <laughs> Is it actionable or is it like your landing page yeah. sucks? Like, is it, you no, know? No, no, it's okay. super, <laughs> your landing page sucks. It's super actionable. I am scared of, okay, here's the thing. I am scared of landing pages. This is, this is truth telling time. Gonna bite I'm just scared you. of, here's, it's here's okay. how I do a landing page. I go find a template, I copy the template, and I put my words and images in the template. So when, if you ever tell me like, oh, you should do this, so let me let me give you Look, some step some, one. Um, okay, s- s- copy Stripe's homepage. Step two, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> me and everyone else. <laughs> so here's some feedback I got, which is really good, and I really want to implement it. But it's funny how I don't even know how. So yesterday I was introduced to this concept of pain, dream, fix, and it's this concept of like, what is the customer's pain? What is their dream about how their life would be better if they ha- and what is your fix? It's a lot, you know, of, about what we've talked about. It sounds consistent and, with StoryBrand. Yeah, it's very consistent with everything we've talked about. Um, but it's a lot like here's the real. So everyone's giving me this great feedback on, oh, you could do this pain dream fix. And that's really good. But like, I literally don't know how to put that on a, on a Web page without it looking terrible because it's so many words. I mean, it's like basic like design stuff that I'm just like, wait, there aren't three blocks. Wait, what? I don't know what to do if I don't get my three blocks. So that's blocks, not a like design problem. That is a copywriting problem. And, okay. and I think you also might be running into something that I think is pretty common when, when you hear things like that. They're like, oh, yeah, of course. That's so obvious. Like, yeah, I'll do that. When you're, I think, especially like working in the space we're in of B2B SaaS, which is honestly like pretty boring you know we've talked about how we're not building you know businesses that are going to take over the world and everyone's going to use them and like you know talking about the dream when it comes to making business processes faster it requires a little bit 
of creativity and I think you know releasing ourselves from the idea that people are you know accomplishing all of their dreams with us right um but I also think it's I think it's possible and you also but you don't have to like hit them all within like the top of your homepage. like I think it's pretty common to you know just like speak to the pain first and then as someone keeps you know you you kind of show them what it is and then you introduce the 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 dream and and the pain further down contextually like it doesn't have to be everything crammed um above the fold yeah so I think something I have never done before is like really pay attention to landing pages like I just don't pay attention so there's a couple like Twitter threads people sent me of everyone's favorite landing pages. So I think part of my work as starting something new here, which is, uh, you know, learning about marketing is to actually look at landing page examples and try and get some ideas. And it, it feels so much like starting from scratch. Um, and, and put more time, I mean, I put two hours into my landing page. Like it's okay, but I mean, I just threw up a template and threw some words and got some stock images and called it a day. So I really think that's a good place to start. And I think next week for my first marketing Friday, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. So I think something else that you could do is... If you, you mentioned that it's hard to get people to reply to you, but you have had some people reply to you and give you feedback. And I wonder if those people who have given you feedback on the landing page, if you could reach out to them and basically do a usability test with them where you're on a screen share with them and they are narrating their internal thoughts as they look at your landing page and you say, okay, like that's what the copy is. Can you like tell me why you use this product? Like what, like what excited you about it? And like have a conversation like that. You, you might even want to record it so you can listen to it later and, and use those words for uh, your, your copy later. But I think that could help you. Like if you have people who are willing to give you feedback and willing to help you improve that, right? Because like if you make this into a real business and keep supporting it and they prefer to use it over the other options out there. They're going to benefit from it too. And so maybe if you can see if you could get one or two people, just be willing to do a screen share with you for half an hour each and just get okay. them to just narrate what they see and, and, and just ask them questions about it. Ask them, well, why did okay. you choose this over other things? Like, you know, this is what it says, but like, let's have a conversation with them about it. Okay. Okay. I did one person I asked over email and I guess it wasn't landing page relevant, but he said he picked my product because it seemed fast and easy, which is kind of what I'm, that's great. I'm going for that's here. Good. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm going for. Okay. That's a great idea. Uh, you think I should do that with people that are using it? Yeah. I think, you, you know, like this guy who said it, he picked it because it's fast and easy, like see if he'll do a call with you. And just say, you know, it could be, or even just say 15, 20 minutes. You may not even need a full half hour. I find it's pretty easy to to get people on the phone for the most part, um, especially in that kind of a scenario. Like I have been amazed with how generous people have been with their time. When when you are building a product that truly does make things faster and easier for them, people appreciate that. Okay. It's interesting. Another thing while I was having this little two weeks of self-reflection 
Uh, something I realized is you keep telling me to talk to people and I keep emailing people, but I haven't actually asked any of these people to get on a call with me yet. Oh, and I keep saying I'll do that, but I'm lying. So I need to stop <laughs> lying to you, my dear friend, Michelle. I, it's so funny because I thought this would be something like I'd be good at, but, and I think I will be, but it, it's just interesting to like discover your own hesitations. Um, I'm sure it's like a fear of rejection or something that has, that has prevented me from actually asking people to get on the phone, but I'm going to do that too, for real. It, it was what we were talking about earlier about having a lot of this sort of pent up stress around like learning marketing and, 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 and all of these other functions that go into making something a full-fledged business that could support you full-time. It makes sense to me that you would have hesitations about that. And it's like, it's so common that people are afraid to talk on the phone with other people and, and ask them these kinds of questions that, you know, I, I think we, we've talked about, you know, it's, you're, you're asking for somebody's pain points, right? And first of all, you can't yeah. say, what are your pain points? But second of all, we're, we're just, <laughs> we, we don't have vocabulary around talking about pain and struggle, really. Like, we don't say, yeah. hey, how are you struggling today as a normal conversation topic? <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen. And, and yeah. so it's totally understandable that you would have hesitations about that. And and something I want you to remember is that what you say and and the specific questions you ask, I think people get really worried about that, about having the right script. Those are less important than how you treat the other person. Because if you treat yeah. them in a way that shows them that they can trust you and that you're going to respect what you're saying, you know, respect what they are saying, you know, if you simply just listen to them, like remember that with all of these, as I said earlier, boring business processes that we are solving, these are things that people are doing every day or every week, and they have probably never talked to anyone about it. Like they have probably right. never sat down and, and had a conversation with their spouse or their roommate or whomever it is about like, tell me about like how you're struggling with file upload. Like they have probably <laughs> never been asked that question. But if somebody had asked right. you that question a year ago, you would have said, oh, my God, let me tell you, because I have so much to say about this. And like you would have never realized you had something to say about that. But you never had someone sit there and say, tell me about this and then just listen to you. Yeah, it's no, you're, so you're powerful. Right. And so you don't need to have a million questions and and. You don't need to, you know, I, may, maybe you feel like you need to somehow impress them or show them that you're a real business or, or something about this. Leave all of that at the door. The most important thing is just to listen to them about something that nobody has probably ever listened to them about. And that is really powerful. Okay. Okay, so I'm that's on my soapbox. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love, I love, it's funny because like you keep going to your soapbox and I keep pretending that I'm going to do it and then not doing it. So, so I'm going to. So what I'm are you afraid of? I don't know. I don't know, Michelle. This whole experience has been like a, uh, you know, a, a weird psychological uh, introspection. You're leaving your comfort I, zone. 
It's, I know, and my comfort zone was so warm and cozy. It's nice in here. (laughs) It's nice in this comfort zone. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just such a different skill set. I mean, you're literally cold emailing someone, asking them to get on a phone call with you. I mean, it's 2021. People don't talk on the phone. So it's just a lot of things. I I don't know why I just put it off. Like every time this week I thought about reaching out to someone, I was like, oh, but I got to finish. I got to fix this part first. I got to fix this part first. I think it's like a fear of perfectionism, I'm sure, right? Because there's going to be negative feedback, presumably at some point. And so it's just, just learning how to not internalize that in a personal way. There's always going to be negative feedback. There's always going to be mean people like but I mean of the probably thousands of interviews I've done like I can really only think of like two or three that made me uncomfortable and only one where someone straight up insulted me oh wow yeah and actually that one where the woman insulted me um she ended up giving me the most amazing information in that interview because she thought I was stupid. And so she explained things to me about how she thought about things on the most basic levels. And it was so good. Like, and I actually, when she, 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 she basically called me stupid and I was doing it with a coworker and, and I heard that and I was like, oh, now she's going to, she's going to say everything. Like she's going to over explain everything. And I, um, you know, I, I I threw up basically like a touchdown sign to my coworker I was sitting there with because I was like, here comes the good stuff. And I was so excited. Um, you know, I mean, d- don't take it personally, right? Like, it's just business. Like, they're, yeah. they're not insulting you. Like, if they're saying there's stuff you need to work on, then, you know, you say, okay, th- thank you so much. Can you Can you tell me why that would work better for you? Like, everything is an opportunity for you to learn more about what their process is so that you can make the assumptions that you have made in your product better fit whatever their process is. Yeah, I definitely, and it's not even that I'm worried people will be mean per se. Like I assume people that get on the phone, with, you know, will be fine. That get on the phone with me will be fine. It's just, I don't really know, but I think I just need to rip the bandaid off and start getting people on the phone. And so this is part of, like you said, I'm, this is way out of my comfort zone. Um, and so here's a growth opportunity for me and I'm never going to be successful if I don't do it. So now I'm telling you today, like when we talk next week, I will have made a real attempt to get at least one person on the phone who's using my product to talk to them about their pain points around file upload. That's like my small, but, but still important weekly goal. So when does your only working on Fridays or one day a week, I guess I just assume Friday, uh, one day a week start? Next week. What day of the week is it going to be? Well, it was going to be Friday. I think I'm, I think Friday. Okay. is a good day. Okay. And I think, I think this could be really good for you because it'll also force you to time box things. Like you could say, okay, like, this is the marketing hour and this is the hour when I'm going to slot in my customer interviews and this is the hour when I get to have, you know, fun playing around in the magical forest of new feature development and, <laughs> yes, you know, like, and just hour. like building in time for those things so that you know it's going to happen and that you know that you don't have to sit in that discomfort 
for very long, right? Like it's, it's I love that. only an hour. Like it's only an hour of torturing yourself with new things that you don't know how to do that are mentally exhausting because they are new. Like that, that is totally normal. That is a well-documented psychological phenomena that doing new things and learning new things is more mentally taxing than something that's familiar. And, and I will also, I, I think it could be good for you too, because this tendency of, of, of reading instead of doing the work, like you have the whole week to plan out that work. And so if you're like, I want to work on the landing page. And so maybe at night or whatever that is, like during the week, it's like, okay, I'm going to scroll through Harry's marketing examples on Twitter and look at landing pages or whatever, like just like small things to build yourself up to it. Okay. That's a great idea. It's funny because you just you just totally called me out for not doing the work and I'm doing the same thing with you. Like I'm asking you every week about customer interviews and I'm, I'm internalizing all this great knowledge you're giving me, but I have yet to actually do the work and it's so weird, but it's okay. Like Like, it's a new thing. It's not something you have any background or training or anything in like that's okay to be scared by it and procrastinate because you don't even know what the work is to do. Like that, that's okay. That's the problem is when you're, you're entering kind of these new, these new fields or these new areas, it's like, you don't even know what the work is. And you're a solo founder too. Like you you don't have somebody else who is bringing in that kind of experience. Like, you know, Matthias and I had that advantage, like, cause we both come at it from, from largely different um disciplines now like I was a product person so I also had to learn marketing and and sales though and accounting but um but it, like it was there you know I I had time to explore those things because um because because that was just falling in my domain yeah okay I love the time boxing idea um before we record again I will pick a day and I will time box out some hours to actually do this. Let's start doing it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. I guess I guess that'll wrap us up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Software Social. We, by the way, we seriously love when people tweet out about you're listening to an episode and you liked it, or uh, it just it just makes my day when those things um, come through. So if if you liked this show or our show definitely tweet at us and let us know or post a review on itunes thanks so much huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show chris from chipper ci the daringly handsome kevin griffin and mike from gently used domains who has a nice personality dave from recut max of online or not stefan from talk to stefan brendan andrade of bright bits team tuple Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, 
Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.